Welcome to Sober Sisters Talk, a podcast on recovery with Elizabeth Pudwell and MG. We bring you our experience, strength, and hope from a variety of sources, therapy, 12-step recovery, and life lessons of long-term sobriety. To contact us, email SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search for Sober Sisters Talk. We're glad you're here. Now here's our next podcast. Also, we'd love to invite you to a Zoom meeting this Friday night at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. If you're interested, email SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com and we'll send you the meeting information and password. We hope to see you this Friday. Thank you. Stay tuned. Hi, everybody. This is MG. And I'm Elizabeth Pudwell, and together we are Sober Sisters Talk. Welcome. Welcome. This is our first podcast of the new year. (gasps) It is. Yes. That's amazing. I can see her thinking. She's like, is it really? (laughs) (laughs) And listeners, I still have one that I need to produce from last year, so bear with us. that's okay. We, 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 we give you a break on that. Thank you. So um, we have a guest today. Our, um, our friend Shanda is here. And um, right before we started, actually what happened was Shanda reached out to me um, for some support around an issue. And I said, hey, why don't you come on and be a guest today? Because I just think this is such a, an important thing to kind of grasp and even for us to kind of chat about and, and for our listeners to hear and give us, give us feedback on it. And that is accountability. So um, the way that I experienced this is in a very loving, um, very supportive and encouraging way. And I've been in, pro, in SLAA since um, 2004. So that's like, I don't even know how many years is that? 16 years coming up on 17 in August. And um, so, yeah, I have some very established relationships, but even way, 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 way back there, like I, you know, I started going to the same me and I resisted, I will tell you, I resisted um, that commitment you know, to a meeting or to a group. I remember Sunday night. So the Sunday night meeting, it was at four o'clock, I think, and or 4.30. And every night afterwards, they would all go out to dinner. And I, oh my God, I'm not doing that. No, I'm not, I'm not. And so finally, like it was a couple of years, like three or four years I'm in program. And there was a, um, Samantha was gone. Um, She was in California for the summer and I was free. I didn't have any excuses. And I was like, I had to like psych myself up. I'm going. But that level of commitment and committing to the meeting and committing to the fellowship afterwards, it started helping me create relationships where my, my, my circle, my, I don't know what my support group, they, it formed and they would start holding me accountable. Like, where are you? What are you doing? Um, is that too much? And never in a never in a challenging way, but just like you know, they started to know me and just be be my friends and be my support. And in that comes accountability. Well, I love the whole concept and idea of accountability, 
And it reminds me of that book called The Four Agreements. Mm-hmm. And one Don Miguel Ruiz. Right. And uh, I used to call it The Four Arguments because I, I didn't want to listen to it. <laughs> so The Four Agreements. And one of them was be impeccable with your word. And that's like a personal accountability. And so I really try to, if I say I'm going to get something to you today, and I have that, I have that, this, you know, woman I work with, she was like, can you have that to me Friday morning? And I don't do well in the mornings and it takes me a long time to get up. And I'm like, yes, I will. And I was like, oh shit, now I got to do it. And I did it. But, you know, it's, it's a, a little bit of a chore. And I think that the issue that I often have around accountability stems from my avoidant, my anorexic, that I don't want to show up. I just want to hide. I don't want to do anything. Shanda, what do you think? I know you have some thoughts, girl, and I know they're good. You've been making notes. (laughs) She's making notes. I love this girl, you guys. Shanda is just the best. And thank you, Shanda for in our WhatsApp app for, you know, I forgot to do a promotion for our speaker on tonight's meeting and I love that little thing that you did. It was so good. Thank you. And she put on lipstick and did her hair for the the occasion. Oh my gosh. She her looked fabulous. fabulous. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. A little blonde bombshell. And okay, aside. Good. Okay. So let's go back to Shanda. What are your thoughts on accountability, Shanda? First, thank you, Elizabeth, so much for asking me to be here today and mg for being here i love being with you ladies when elizabeth asked me to be on the podcast and told me that the topic was accountability i responded back yes i love accountability now if you had asked me that in january of 2017 which was about five months before i got to slaa Mind you, I was in recovery. I was in AA, supposedly working a rigorously honest program. And I did not want to be accountable to anyone. That was a huge problem for me uh, before SLAA or before I got further along into recovery where integrity was part of the deal where what I say and what I do match, where I realize that if I tell someone I'm going to be there, then if I can't be there, I need a really good reason why, because otherwise it's a boundary violation. It's violating someone's trust in me. And I was thinking about this today before I realized my own value and before I loved myself, I think one of the reasons that I did things like overspend and I wasn't accountable to my partner for our money and I promised things at work, I overpromised and underdelivered countless times. I showed up late to work. I showed up late to meetings. I always had an excuse. And it wasn't until recovery that I could take accountability and responsibility for myself. The thing was, is that I didn't realize I was so self-focused 
and I thought I wasn't worth anything, that I wasn't valuable at work. Um, I don't know what I thought about money, but I just didn't realize the impact that my actions had on the people that I worked with. Um, what were the consequences and how that cascaded? And the thing was, is that people wouldn't always call me out on it, which is what Elizabeth was talking about earlier. Yeah, and there's, I think like, so, and I totally had that same resistance. Um, I mean, it took me a long time to find a sponsor and, you know, once I did, I mean, it was all directed at her. It was not, I did not have this like, um, honesty and this openness with my whole support network like I do now um and I was really afraid and I think there's an uh, um an authority figure type of fear there like you know she's going to ask me to do something I don't want to do or make me do you know something along those lines but I think that you touched on a very important part Elizabeth that honest and open because in order for us to work with with a sponsor, I have to have the faith that I can be honest and open with you, regardless of what the outcome is going to be. And I can remember, you know, uh, that I wanted to go audition for this play, and I'd probably been sober for like a month. Like this was like, you know, I was still new in my sobriety around my last qualifier. And I told you about it. I said, listen, I want to go audition and this guy's going to be there. And you said, I don't think that, I don't think you should go. It's too soon. It's too much of a trigger for you. And, uh, and I was shocked. I was just like, really? You, you think it would be too soon? You're like, yes, you just, you know, gave up this guy and then you're going to go see him. And so, and then you told me if you go, I'll consider it that you've broken your sobriety and I won't want to work with you anymore. You were really tough with me. And, you know, I heard you and I trusted you and I was willing, that comes the willing piece, to um, follow your suggestion. And so you were holding me accountable based on what you knew from my disease. You knew that I was a low bottom SLAA, right? And you knew that this, it was too soon because Elizabeth, you sponsored so many women, you know, the deal, you know, when you're the train, the train is going to, is coming for us and you help women avoid that by holding them accountable. The word accountable or accountability often does bring up an association of a difference in power that I can only yeah. be accountable to someone who somehow has power over me. Yeah, like they're my boss. Yeah, but, um, the boss of me. <laughs> or that I'm less than the person that I'm accountable. Mm -hmm. And so there's a, a connotation of shame that goes along with it. Today, I was listening to a podcast that Brene Brown had recorded this summer about accountability and shame. And she was talking about that when someone holds us accountable, there is often a feeling of shame that may come up around what we're being held accountable for, but it is not a shaming process. 
it is different than shaming someone intentionally because shaming is never going to bring about the kind of change that I needed. It is never going to bring about a spiritual experience or encourage anyone to stop acting out, come to meetings, do service. Nothing will change or transform in a presence of shame. And having the experience of shame or embarrassment or even humiliation, that is normal and it's human. And often it comes into play when we are held accountable, especially if we know we're not in integrity and we didn't do what we said we were going to do because we can't say no or we don't know ourselves or we just said, I'm not going to do it. And then well, we it's like the other person. Exactly. And because there, if you don't have, you have, it, you, how does it go? You cannot be held accountable if you're not responsible. So, and I'm responsible for me and the accountability part of it for me, like in the experience I gave you with, um, when I was dating that guy and it just, there was just a little tiny detail. And I thought insignificant detail, but my friend was like, that's not so insignificant. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. And it's sort of like what you were talking about, MG. I just want to go and audition that he's going to be there. It's just a tiny little insignificant detail. And I'm like, take the flashlight out, the spotlight, and go like, that's a really big fucking detail that you were paying attention to. Right. <laughs> and that, that is how it felt for me with Sandy when she said that. Like, And I did feel a little... Um, I don't know if it was shame, but I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to have that spotlight. I wanted to keep seeing this guy because I really liked him. But it, there was also like she knew what I wanted and what I didn't want. Yeah. Because of our relationship. Well, and I just watched this show and, and I haven't watched it because in the past it kind of triggered me. It's this show called Shameless where it's about this alcoholic father and all these kids. And uh, there was a scene where... Uh, his daughter found a Louis Vuitton bag on the bus and it had $500 in it. And so she returned the bag, but not the money. And, uh, and the, the woman was very appreciative and she was like, oh, I guess someone stole the money. And uh, so the daughter felt guilty because she saw circumstances. The woman said, oh, it was my rent money, blah, blah, blah. So she went back a few days later with the money. And the woman said, just admit that you stole it. And she was like, Huffy, like, I did not steal your money. She did steal her money. All offended. Uh-huh. She was all <laughs> offended. And it led her into the spiral, and she went and acted out with this man and, like, had an affair and, you know, and all of it. And so it goes back to what Shanda was saying is that we may feel shame when someone holds us accountable, right? When that woman said, just admit it, you stole the money, because she knew the deal. And that woman could not admit it. And if she was able to just say, Yes, you're so right. I totally stole that money. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. You know, what a difference that would have made. And so for our listeners out there, there is power in just coming clean and showing up and doing the deal. Because let me tell you, when I say, okay, I'm going to have this report to you by 1130 on Friday morning, it's like, I get to be done with it. I know I'm going to be done with the report at 11:30 and cross that off my list. Check, go on to my the next thing. So there's a there's a a power in there with 
you know, showing up for myself and being accountable. Because like Shanda was talking about loving ourselves. Talk a little bit more about that, Shanda. I love that piece of it. This is a good segue into what I wanted to bring up next. So in some of my outside work and my outside therapy, I learned the concept of first order and second order change. And addicts, and when I say addicts, I mean me, I truly believe that no one could be hurt by what I've done. Or I wanted to say that. Um, Or I've not hurt myself. Nothing that I do hurts myself. And that's probably because I believe that I wasn't worth anything, right? If I'm, when I was in my addiction, I led this double life, but also this sort of double existence where when I was really high from acting out or drinking or what spending, whatever I was doing, the shame or the truth had a really hard time penetrating my consciousness. Um, so I felt great most of the time until I didn't. And then I felt horrible. And that's the cycle of addiction. But if we want to make real change, which is called second order change, then I have to understand that the damage that I have done to people has rippled through the lives of people that I know. And also that the way I've hurt myself is that I have disconnected from myself. Spiritually, I am hurt. And maybe other ways, maybe physically definitely emotionally, intellectually. My whole self is hurt. So requirements for first order change or thinking about first order change is I live a double life, which is a big juggling act all the time. And it's really hard to keep stuff straight. Who did I lie to? Who did I tell what? What lie can I make up because I didn't follow through with what I said I was gonna do? We're very creative, and we have a lot of energy to keep that going. And so there's a second life, or a double life. I can't tell anybody the whole story. I might have Susie over here that knows part of my story, and Lisa on the other side that knows, like, this piece. But there's no one person that knows everything about me. I don't even know everything about me, but there's no one person who has the whole story. So often, I remember one time I got a review at work. And I spent six months in one department under one supervisor and six months in a completely separate department under another. And they did not talk together when they wrote my performance review. And then I went to another boss by the time that it was actually time to give it to me. And he said that he had never seen such a review where he thought they were talking about two separate people. And what that was, was the progression of my disease in that year that's what happened i went down that path and it was it was like it was two separate people um so in second order change the kind of change that i'm looking for that we're looking for in recovery then we have to have full disclosure to someone usually that's a therapist and it can be your sponsor it's normally your sponsor right So two people know everything about me. And you can ask my sponsor. I text her all the time to check in and stuff. Yesterday, thinking about last week's, um, something I heard last week in a meeting, I said, hey, I'm just checking in. I'm going to get a massage. This is the same guy I've been going to for months. And 
I'm thinking about what we talked about last week and I'm just checking it in. That way I know should something happen because I am a sex addict. I am a love addict. And there's touching going on and I'm a human being. I'm a woman, right? He's a man. So it's all good. It's professional. But I knew if he were to try anything or I were to try anything, like, then I'd have to tell somebody. So luckily, obviously, it was total integrity. It went off without a hitch. I didn't feel like I had to tell myself because I wanted to act out. It was just the matter of having somebody in program, whether it be your sponsor or a recovery partner, or if you want to make it fun, an accountability, accountability, accountability buddy. Yes, accountability buddy. <laughs> accountability buddy. Stick in and be like, it's kind of like a hillbilly buddy, you know, but it's a little more serious. Yes. I do I think. I went to that place where I used to run into so-and-so, just checking it in. You know, it's not a bottom line. I'm not going there on purpose to try to find him, but just in case I want somebody to know. And like for me, so much, so much of my stuff, what, prompted me to get into SLA in the first place. What prompted me to drink, what prompted me to act out was not feeling known and important and significant. And so in this full disclosure process of me, who I am in meetings with people, you know, one of the things that we used to do when I first got sober is um, we would meet at La Madeline's before the um, Thursday night meeting at St. Mark at um St. John's St. John's and um and the Sunday night meeting over there so it, it we would meet and it was just a standing thing you would just go over there an hour before and there'd be 20 women and they're having coffee eating free bread with jam you know <laughs> and it was so so comforting and it was just this are you going you know will you be at coffee first you know and just having that group of women and that group of friends that had listened to my story that knew all of my shit you know it just felt it felt really loving and comfortable and safe to be held accountable like you know so what about that like you know what are you doing about that or you know that sounds like you know, whatever you know i can't think of anything specific that that far back but I do know when I was dating that guy and Sandy said to me, like, it doesn't sound right. I remember thinking like, oh, damn it, she's right. You know, and I didn't, I wanted to like kind of minimize it and hope it went away and it didn't. It didn't. What well, I'm it, thinking about too is the concept of the home group. Mm -hmm. One of the things I shared with Elizabeth earlier today and I've talked to my sponsor about it as well is how do I stay on my side of the street with women I'm sponsoring and before COVID how do you hold them accountable yes and is it my responsibility because before COVID just the basic things like how's your program going I could see visually because we would show up early we arrive early so that we could be one of the people that would get a reading, right? And we would do service or set up the literature, put the chairs out, turn the lights on, and stay after to do those things or go fellowship. 
So it was a natural place where the women I sponsored or my recovery partners, we saw each other. Physically, we could look and see, hmm, you know, because we know each other by our faces and how we yeah, What's going on with you? Yeah. Right. Let me look into your eyes. Let me right. Your voice. So in this Zoom culture that we have now, which is wonderful, however, we have so many meetings that we can go to. And if I want to avoid somebody, that's okay. I can still go to meetings, but I can go to meetings in England or the West Coast, which I'm not saying that we shouldn't branch out and see what's out there, especially because there's so many women that don't even have an in-person meeting. However, pick a meeting and be there every week. Every Keep week. Sponsor in your meeting so that you make a human connection and there's somebody there. And then that way, if something goes off in the meeting, you know, or whatever, or you're sponsy, or I'm triggered, or whatever, like, we can be like, hey, can I talk to you about, you know, what I heard, or are you willing to talk to me more about what you shared? And so, we don't have that. So, we don't have these easy and opportunities to show up for ourselves, show up for others, and if we're missing, maybe somebody's going to notice, and maybe not. That's the thing I see because I don't look at the Zoom squares the way if I was in a room, I would be looking at that circle of chairs. Yeah. And if somebody's missing or they don't show up or don't go out for coffee, then I know, hey, let me check on this person. Right. So somehow with our transition to a lot of online meetings, which are wonderful and I don't want them to go away, how do we have these natural check-in points and natural ways of connecting instead of isolating or hiding out? It's yeah. really hiding out, I think yeah. is what I'm yeah. talking about. And, you know, I'm very conscientious. I don't want to try to rescue anybody, and I don't want to save anybody from hitting their bottom if they haven't truly really hit their bottom. So my question to Elizabeth was, if you don't hear from somebody in a while, do you call to do a welfare check? <laughs> But I'm not the type of person that just like says, hey, how are you? I don't do that, especially yeah. by text. So, again. What, what was Elizabeth's that, answer? Ah, uh, I'll let her answer. <laughs> I said, I don't do that. Um, I, I usually don't. Now, I probably would with you, um, you know, if I didn't hear from you, but you and I have contact in different realms than just going to a meeting um but i do have i have a ton of sponsees but most of them i have regular interaction with there's some of them that in this covid thing that i don't but that you know every once in a while hey can you take a phone call you know yeah i'm available so i think it kind of depends on um there's a lot of things it depends on your relationship with that person it also depends upon um, where, like for me, I don't need it. I don't need to have regular meetings with you and work the steps and make sure that you're you're showing up and doing, I, I did at one time. I needed every single one of those women I've worked with to be there every week, to do their step work, To I needed it. I don't right now. Um, so it just, it, it, if they don't, you know, if they don't show up at a meeting, then I might be like, hey, what are you doing? How come I haven't seen you, you know? But yeah, it's just sort of like, it depends upon the relationship and that your relationship with that person, I think. I don't know, MG, what do you think? Do you call them? 
No, I, I don't. I don't call them. And um, you know, I recently there was someone that I was working with that was going through a really, really tough time, and uh, and I was just praying. I was like, Oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my God! And uh, and I, you know, I just kept thinking about this person and just praying. I'm like, God, please be with this person. God, please be with this person because I just knew what a struggle that they were going through and. I wanted to like, you know, get the news, reach out, hey, what happened with that situation X, Y, and Z? And I didn't. I had to I had to sit in faith. And another thing that when you guys were talking about, it reminded me, now I've talked about a TV show and I'm getting ready to talk about a movie because clearly I've been watching a lot of TV since I've been recovering and uh, sheltering in place, as it were, with the COVID. And it's this Lord of the Rings uh, Return of the King, the third of the movies, and there's this scene where uh, they have to light the fires on these mountains to get the message across like a huge distance, right? And it's like, you know, so it was a big deal. Once you light these fires, if, if I'm the light keeper and I'm look, I, I gotta be looking for that fire because it's a little fire and I see that fire, it's like, oh shit, they lit the fire. I gotta light my fire and I light my fire and then there's someone else over there so I, I like I was like thinking, oh my God, I want to make that movie of who who are keeping the fires, who are these people that are like on these little horribly cold mountaintops, looking every day, is there a fire? Is there going to be a fire? I'm looking for fire, and this no fires for years. How boring! I'd certainly not be a good firekeeper because I would like you know be napping or whatever. I don't need to go today. There wasn't a fire yesterday or the day before. Or the day before. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But then there's a fire, and I so and so accountability means showing up continually so that we, when we're called upon, when God calls us to be of service, when we're needed. We will be there, we'll be established, and people will honor us. You know, this whole conversation started, Elizabeth, because you had an idea of giving another member a correction. They were doing something that you felt like wasn't an integrity or to the good benefit Correct. of program. And so it's like, you know, uh, you led the meeting on accountability, and, and maybe this person got a message. We don't know. But we can't go out and say, uh, Elizabeth, you need to be doing this, pointing your finger. Because when we point one finger at somebody, we got, you know, three pointing back at us. So I think there's a difference between giving someone a correction and then holding them accountable. I think you touched on it, Elizabeth. It's the loving nature of it. Yeah. What I love about the loving nature of, of our recovery community is that we're very, or we can be, we learn to be boundaried in our feedback. So first we say, are you willing and available or open to some feedback about something that I'm observing? And I let the person know, well, first I make sure I have done my work I have figured out why I'm triggered, what the issue is. I've talked it over with my sponsor and somebody else because I get triggered a lot. Mm -hmm. and I may armor up and think, oh, I'm right and they're wrong. Right, yeah. I need to check myself first for sure. I love that saying. I'm going to like armor up, go after them, get my spear. Mm -hmm. Right. 
especially if I think there's unsafe behavior in the meeting. But we asked. And then we presented from, I heard you say this or that, or I saw you do this, or I have become aware that this is happening. What I perceive or what I think about that is X, Y, and Z. And if it's possible, tie it back to a step or a tradition or a group conscience or something, or the group, the culture in this group is this. And would you be willing to stop that behavior? Would you be willing to start doing this or something like that? And then invite them to continue the conversation or maybe it's just, that's it. So I think we learn how to be relational and loving about it. And we don't tell people what to do. We make suggestions. Um, and that is helpful not only in the rooms and in the Zooms, <laughs> but in every area of our life. Oh, yes. And I do like that, um, the way that you, you stated it in boundaries, even in offering feedback, you know. And I've, I've told people no. They were like, I, I have some feedback. Are you willing to be able to? And I might be in no. a really vulnerable place. And I'm like, no, thank you. You know, maybe in a few days I'll be ready to hear it. But I think, Shanda, the key piece of it was that if someone comes to us and says, hey, you know, we're having this conversation and we can ask them, hey, I've, you know, would you like some feedback? And if they say yes or no, then, you know, we have a decision tree based on what we're going to do. But I think that that's ultimately the model of recovery. We come to recovery. We come here. We're wanting to seek something different. You know, there are so many people like, what's that phrase? There's so many people that, that need sobriety, but it's only for those who want it. Right. Yeah, there's a story in the back of the big book is where it comes from. Yeah. Sobriety is for those who want it, not for those who need it. Right. And that's good for me to remember when I'm thinking about calling somebody or texting somebody and trying to figure out why they disappeared. Because that's, I hate to admit it, but that can also feel abandoning to me. If a woman, I may not even be, I may not even be friends with this person or recovery partners, but I feel that once a person has been coming and then they don't show up, it can feel abandoning. And then I try to switch that from an inward focus on myself to concern. And if I can't be authentically concerned, I let somebody else who is authentically concerned go find out what's still. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and that talk, I think that ties into this whole idea where we are accountable for ourselves. You know, this is uh, a we program, but. I am accountable for my own sobriety. I'm responsible for my own program. And, you know, thankfully I have those, you know, my sponsor and my recovery partners who can hold me accountable. And, you know, and as we have good friends, you know, they're like, did you follow up with the doctor? You know, like they're like saying like, you know, did you do that? And I'm like, no, I didn't feel blah, blah, blah. They're like, call them, you need to call them. <laughs> So we've like, had a couple of those her and i you know, yes like, yes 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 so i mean that's but the again piece that, of it. there's also mg that trust that um 
comes with the reciprocal the, the reciprocal relationship that we have you right. know right that i do trust that you know i love you and there's, right and there's i wasn't even talking about there. you i was talking about my girlfriend from paris she's always like did you <laughs> did you talk to that doctor did you get that you know so it's like I'm lucky that I have friends and, right. you know, recovery people as well. Well, we're going to... mother who tries to hold me accountable for what my husband eats. Mm, yeah. Can't you do something about that? Nope. <laughs> can't. Sorry. Thank <laughs> you so much for joining us, Shanda. It was a pleasure to have you on the um, show. And listeners, we'd love to hear your feedback. You know, you can email us at silversisterstalk at gmail.com. And, you know, you can offer us feedback, you know, on accountability and, and the whole topic that we gave. So, you guys, thank you so much for joining us. And hopefully you'll be showing up at the Friday night meeting. We love you and we'll talk soon. Yeah, don't forget, we do have a meeting Friday nights, um, Central Time, 6 p.m. And if you email us, uh, MG will send you the Zoom link and you can join us as long as you're female. All right, you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Shanda. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Sober Sisters Talk podcast. To find our podcast, we're at www.sobersisterstalk.com. We're also on Apple iTunes and on Facebook. See you next week.